Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins. I am the founder and managing director of the Anthony Michael Group, a search firm serving uh, the medical technology industry, companies within medical device, digital health, and diagnostics sectors to build high-performing teams, uh, primarily on the technical side of the business, areas like regulatory, quality, clinical, engineering. We've got a budding practice on the commercial side within market access, but I have the pleasure of regularly featuring a best-in-class leader straight from the industry on all things talent on this podcast. And today is no different. Uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Mr. David Alsop, the Vice President of Human Resources from a company called Ultradent with us. David spent the better part of 13 years or or more with the Kraft Heinz company, uh, starting off in sales and quickly working his way in and up through the ranks of HR leadership. Uh, he joined Ultradent in 2017, and like I mentioned, uh, as of today, serves as the Vice President of Human Resources. He is a contributor and a council member for Forbes, and he is the founder of a really cool uh, organization called JumpSpark, which was a cause born really to build a community of leaders who inspire the future of human experience in the workplace and beyond. Now, for those unfamiliar with Ultradent, Ultradent is a company dedicated to improving oral health globally through science, creativity, and education. The company was recognized in 2021 by Fortune Magazine as a best workplace in manufacturing and production. And got a really cool topic in store for you today. But without further ado, David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mitch. It's great to be here. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, I'm honored, man. I, I found you because of all the work that you're doing on social media and the disruption that you're causing. Uh, I know that you're super passionate about uh, being genuine, being authentic, being your real self. We're going to get into a ton of stuff. I don't want to give away too much. But before we get into the main topic, would you talk just a little bit more about what JumpSpark really is? Because I think it's something that the audience should really know about. Sure. Uh, JumpSpark is really a cause. It's a cause that I really have built to be able to have a presence on social media, to have a purpose in our communities, and especially here in Utah, where we're trying to build more inclusion and connection and um, build the business environment for better human experiences. So in essence, you know, JumpSpark, the definition is you have these wires that have to connect in various objects, and there's sometimes a gap in between, and you have to have a spark that jumps in between them. And to me, that's just a symbol of my purpose in life, where I truly just believe if we can seek that spark in between all of us or that connection between our differences, that's where we can find the success in leadership, in human experience, in business, in teams, in society, wherever it is. Uh, it's really just a simple way of me saying, let's connect in the middle. And in the business sense where I lead at Ultradent, we just believe there's this connection in between the company performance and you contributing to that and our ability to partner with you for your maximum success from the job that you're doing for us. And that has a lot of friction in it. But if we can find the connection between our performance and our satisfaction, that's where the magic happens, where when you get both of them, you get the best out of everybody. So that's really what it is. It uh, really spends a lot of time on social media, but it also owns a local chapter of Disrupt HR in Salt Lake City, where we 
really worked hard to get the HR community of eight, of um, the businesses here to be able to have modern HR, to modernize how we do things, and to get CEOs to think differently of when they hire HR professionals, to hire them to do culture and develop their cultures and not just be the the dumping ground for the admin stuff. So it's a lot of things we're doing right now, but um, JumpSpark's really just a general purpose to really influence our world to connect in the middle. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, how did you come up with the idea? I think really the idea came to me just because I started up just a conference and realized that there is so much desire to figure out how to lead people to a better place. And so for me, I just uh, developed this following of connections in Utah where we're just trying to build a community that's thinking differently about human resources. And as that's evolved, it's really become something where I've realized there's more to me just focusing on inside my company because there is so much good that we do inside Ultradent. There's lessons I can learn to be able to help communities and businesses do better just by talking on podcasts like this, but posting thoughts and experiences on social media. You know, eventually someday I'd love to do some more with the the JumpSpark cause with consulting. And sometimes I do jump on calls just to mentor people. Uh, but really it was just an idea centered around uh, the HR community of Utah that has really turned into connections with people like you outside of Utah and in Utah just to get us talking differently and get us talking differently about how we succeed together in, I think, a world and in a country that's actually dividing and going to polar ends of everything. Well, I guess, I mean, you should be proud of yourself because obviously it's working and I wouldn't have found you without your social media uh, posts. And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but it showed up in my feed one day. And I thought, who the heck is this guy? I've, I thought I knew our industry pretty well. You know, I haven't seen your stuff before and I started following it and then I connected with you. But to me, what you're putting out there is it's real. It's not for, it's not for the vanity metrics of how many people are going to like my posts. Or, you know, what can I do to, you know, rile up LinkedIn to try and create controversy just to get noticed? It's true, like authenticity, like taking real life stories and, and it's, I just find it to be very genuine is my point. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show because I know you've spoken about a topic. I think it was actually termed ripping up the rules of talent acquisition. And I thought it was so fitting for what we're doing here with the MedTech Talent Lab that I wanted to have you talk about this. So I'm going to kind of segue to you and say, what does that mean, ripping up the rules of talent acquisition? And how does this work? Yeah, ripping up the rules of talent acquisition is um, really a talk that I gave recently in California that I was shocked at the emotion that came from the audience about the topic that I gave. And it's really a story about what we've built at Ultradent and what we're mastering at Ultradent during the Great Resignation, which is we can't keep hiring the same way and get the same results. And quite honestly, if we do it the same way we've always done it in hiring practices and industry, uh, we're actually going to keep excluding the best people in society from succeeding. And so what that means when it comes to ripping up the rules to me is we focus so much in our hiring processes on the paper that someone got a degree from some university, some location that I like better than others. And that increases the bias in our hiring processes. So we look for the paper, we look for the shine, we look for what we can see, we measure and talk about the energy in the inter interview process. And we really never get to the heart of the matter, which is the heart of the person that beats for success. And when we talk about ripping up the rules, I call it something that we believe in at Ultradent. It's we seek out the excluded because there are millions upon millions of people in the history of time. And I love history. I love studying it. Millions of people have been excluded from success because they didn't have muscles. They didn't have gender 
benefits. They didn't have something of privilege that got them into what I call the herd. The herd follows, you know, the trends, it follows popularity, it follows the ease of finding success, and it follows the money. And there's a lot of people that didn't get born into that. They didn't get born into the right geography to have that. And um, just through the luck of of the draw, they've been excluded, whether it be through slavery, whether it be a woman that, um, if you think about it, in 1900, only 20% of women got paid to do any work. And so you've always had this exclusionary dynamic to society that we are now in a day and age where you can get education for free. You can YouTube how to build a house. You can go to Khan Academy to get information on the STEM basics of how to do things that are STEM related. And you can close the gaps of college by just being hungry enough to search online to get it. And that excluded population in the millions is now able to close that gap. And if we can find those people, we're finding people that don't have the entitlement that people with a degree have. And I'm someone that has a degree. I have a master's degree. And I always remember going to every program I looked at and they said, when you leave here, our average person makes this much. And so right then and there, you're telling graduates of college that when you come here, you should expect something when you leave here. And that perpetuates the issue that we see in organizations, which there's always this expectation on employers after they give the offer, after they've hired the person, that they're never keeping up with the expectations of the person. Whereas if you think about the talent that you can hire, and we've done this so many times at Ultradent, we've hired people that didn't necessarily have a degree, but they had an aptitude and a hunger They're motivated to succeed and prove something, and we're able to develop them and fill the gaps of their development because they're just hungry to succeed, and they're not asking us for anything other than to give them a chance. And when you find someone that just wants a chance, motivation is half the battle in business, and too often we're finding people and expecting ourselves to hire people that cost too much money, and they want more money. And we're leaving out people that if they just get a chance, they're going to knock it out of the park because they have the desire and the hunger to succeed. And they're just not getting the chance. So I want to, I want to stop you there for a minute because this can't be a hard and fast rule. It can't be. So are you, are you leveraging, are you leveraging that as a, this is the type of people we hire and that's the direction we go? Or is there some sort of happy medium combination of both sides of the coin that you're referring to? Yeah, great question, because there are sometimes government requirement. The, the government sometimes put these quotas on us where we have to have certain industries that you're required to have certain degrees, certain certifications, which is a requirement for a reason. And so there's cases where you have to hire the degree, you have to look at the paper. But the happy medium when you're doing that is, are you looking for humility? Are you looking for the ingredients of hunger in someone that's going to be motivated to succeed and prove something? Because even when the, you have those degrees, there's people that are excluded. I've got an example on my HR team where uh, we didn't have a people analytics function in HR when I got here. And so we had this desire to bring in people analytics and an expertise in that. So we recruited and we staffed and we looked for who the right person was for this one data analytics position that we have. And we ended up uh, interviewing a lot of people. And one person came to me that my team said, hey, just don't worry about this guy. He's not energetic. He's really boring in the interview. And you just go down the list. He had a master's degree. He was in a master's of HR program. And he had a background that, um, you know, was a good fit, but he just was not a good interviewer. And I was about to throw his resume in the trash, just say, hey, goodbye, thanks for your time and not look at him again until I asked one simple question about 40 minutes into my interview with this person. What have you failed at before and how have you learned from it? 
And the answer from this individual changed my whole perspective on him. He paused and he just said, you know what? I've got a master's degree, but I don't have a job. I am the only person in my program of about 40 people that hasn't had an offer. And that's embarrassing. That's a struggle for me to figure out. And I probably shouldn't have told you that, but I don't know why that is other than I'm admittedly not the most energetic person in these interviews. It's not my comfort zone. It's not what I'm good at, but there's other people that they shine really well in an interview and they've got great internships at these great companies that are looking for stars like them. And I think I'm as good as them, but I just don't shine like they do. And then for the next 40 minutes, After I was supposed to be done with that interview, we had a deep conversation about what he wanted to do to succeed, what talents he had to offer to me that were not because he was shining in anything other than just having a real conversation that I got him into his comfort zone because I accepted that answer and said, let's talk more. And so even when you have those degrees, are you looking for the right ingredients of humility? And for our culture at Ultradent, we require humility because we require human care. And if we don't have humility with the confidence and competence of an individual, uh, we don't have a lot of success with those people. And so when we hire people, we look for that. And so it does have this requirement balance that you have to find, but you can find it in any population. There's someone that's excluded. There's someone that's left out that can prove something. And too many of those people are missing from the opportunities because they just don't look the part or shine the way that society wants people to shine. So I think there's so many things in play here. First of all, the majority of organizations And the majority of leaders, in my opinion, really don't know how to interview. I think that there's a lot of bias involved. I think that people leverage their gut and think, hey, I got along with this person. They seem sharp. They answer some good questions. Let's give it a shot and we'll move forward. And there's so much more that can be done from an objective standpoint to make better hires. That's why in today's day and age, I believe the cost, excuse me, the risk of a mishire is just shy of a flip of a coin. It's like 46 to 48% roughly. So it's one thing when we go down that path, we talk about, okay, better interview strategies. My question to you is how do you seek this piece out up front of who these people are about the humility and the underdog stories and the talk more about that. Like, how are you seeking these people out to know, hey, we might be onto the right type of person here? Yeah, I think the first thing that people need to think about is that we're all improving in in human resources is human resources historically hasn't liked math. And you have so much data to look at and data to understand. And one thing that I noticed about Ultradent and we looked into the data on is who our leaders are. Who are the long-term people that are succeeding and influencing the future of this company. And we found something interesting. A lot of them didn't have degrees when they were hired. A lot of them didn't have the backgrounds for what they're leading today. And what the data was telling us is we spend a lot of money on people that have these high degrees or these high backgrounds because we think in some of the pockets in our company, we got to hire the experience now because we don't have the time to train. And that What doesn't prove out and what uh, the data from Wharton uh, tells us in a study that I looked at at Wharton is that hiring managers are often hiring the people that uh, have the part, have the paper, have the shine and have the extroversion that there's nothing wrong with extroversion, but we look too much to that as the answer to our uh, solutions. But looking at the data, the people that in leadership are actually the long timers in companies are showing to be the people that actually didn't want to be leaders. They didn't want the job. They weren't seeking it. And so there's just so much data that we can find when we look at our cultures that we all have to understand our cultures. For Ultradent, humility is a big part of that. And the data tells us that. For others, you may not have that much 
importance on humility because you're looking for a different kind of environment. But for us, the data tells us that. So look at the data. I think the other thing people need to understand is you're looking for certain certain things about a person to be able to have the best motivation. Because the biggest part of really working with someone is how do you motivate them? How do you get them to succeed and be inspired for the success? And there's really four things I think about in the interview process. Does the person have a hunger? And sometimes that's looking for the underdog principle in someone. Have they had an experience in their life where they were left out? Have they had something where they just haven't been the the mold and they had to prove themselves? Uh, for me, I look at my background and I uh, didn't have the degree to get into HR, so no one would hire me. And so I had to get in sales and prove myself for three years in the company I was in to get into HR. And then when I got into it, I wanted to kick butt and everybody else was doing their thing, following the rules. And I was just trying to figure out what did my leaders want to be able to succeed with their people. And I was able to succeed and get the leaders to hire me because they just wanted someone that listened to them and worked with them and wanted to do the right things for them. And that's how I succeeded. And you have to look for hunger. There's an underdog thing in hunger if you can find it. And you look for those principles of being left out. Humility is also one thing that in an interview process, you have to ask the questions that get to the real person. So the reason I ask about failure a lot of in, in the interview, the reason I ask about experiences where they had conflict they had to overcome in interactions with people is that tells me about humility. And so there is a behavioral dynamic to that. The mindset is also a dynamic that's hard to look at and hard to find, which is the growth mindset. And I look at it from the aspect of curiosity. When you get to the end of an interview and you ask people, do you have any questions for me? Uh, some people aren't good at asking those questions, so you can't lean too much on this. But there's some people that they're very curious about the company and they're asking sincere questions to understand and dig in. And so when people have that curiosity, it indicates a growth mindset that uh, I can work with. And then aptitude, you know, is an interesting thing because when I look at it in the interviews, I look for uh, something beyond book knowledge where they just have an aptitude for something. You know, you have some people like my data analyst that I talked about. He loves basketball. He loves the Utah Jazz. He knows more about the Utah Jazz stats, the players and the information. and as I got to know him more and more about what we need him to do in our company, his aptitude for just looking into those things and sharing data told me a lot about his aptitude for data in that case. So if they have an aptitude, you'll see a fluent curiosity about things. So it really is about how you approach the interview to get to the real person and put away the fake processes that we look into interviews. And then it's about the data and understanding what you're targeting. And then also, uh, there's so much data that we can find in the interview process as we develop our skills that we're looking for that in Ultradent as we're looking for more ways to get data about the person that can just help us understand where they uh, fit into the really core value dynamic of the organization. Are they going to make it and be successful? And we have core values that match any background if they can have the right uh, mindset for the organization. So I want to recap what you just said. So you said hunger, you know, hunger stories or underdog uh, stories, maybe where they've been left out and what it was and what they went through. And you said humility, times of working through conflict with others, growth mindset and curiosity and, and aptitude. Yeah. Yeah, those are the four things I focus on in the interview. But dad is the other thing you have to surround it with to get rid of your gut. Yeah. And so how do you, how have you been implementing this internally? It's one thing for you to know this and for you to conduct a pretty thorough interview. How are you getting your team on board, the hiring managers, et cetera, to understand how to work through this successfully? 
Yeah, uh, it really starts with we've got hiring guides that we've implemented that we talk about, we train on, and we try to help them understand the flexibility of the guides. We're also really working hard to provide them the data and the examples. And I have a presentation that we use in our organization. We actually just presented to a population of managers just now where we talked about how you target the population that we're looking for, how you identify them, and we use our interview guides to help them. The other thing that I don't think people uh, put enough importance on is your culture and your culture of high performance and engagement is just as important in the hiring process because you have to attract people and you have to have an authentic place for them to find what they're looking for. And for us, we have a culture that we have focused so much on inclusion and diversity in a sense where people just feel comfortable and our brand tells them that. And Our employees tell our surveys that to the point that we're the number nine ranked uh, best place to work in large manufacturing in America. And that marketing approach that we have with an authentic culture uh, really makes it a lot easier for us to build slates that match our culture. And so part of it is that attraction process that too many organizations are looking through people that don't always have the right fit for their culture or their core value set because they're not marketing who they are as clearly as they could. And so part of it is the attraction into the funnel and the people that come to us, they all look different, think different because we talk about differences. We have a value set in our core um, uh, inclusion strategy that says we seek after, we welcome, and we embrace our differences. And we market the heck out of that and we train the heck out of that because when people see that, especially in Utah where we're growing diversity here, the people with diverse backgrounds with underdog backgrounds, um, they're looking for exactly that kind of organization. And um, a lot of organizations waste a lot of time and waste people's time by not being very clear with who they are. So that also helps with the interview process because we're spending less time weeding people out and we're actually just digging into who's the best of the best when it comes to what we're actually looking for, which is the core value and the underdog mentality. Yeah, you made a good point about a lot of organizations confuse people with what they're looking for or what they rep- what they stand for. It's one thing to have a set of core values on your website. It's another thing to put, live out those core values every day in the work and, you know, kind of do what you say, say what you do, which it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. How different do you think the, or similar do you think the culture was from 2017 until now, as far as this type of mentality from when you yeah. came on board? Yeah, it's a good question because we're a growing organization and our founder built a culture on care. Um, this company's been successful on care. And one of the reasons I joined this organization is because I saw a culture that is going to grow, but you can grow a culture of success on care from an HR standpoint and just bring more clarity, more strategy, more performance measures to be able to help people understand what it means to succeed with outcomes and engagement with the care principles. And so from 2017 to now, we've actually found our way to actually put the accountability measures in that hold us accountable to those core values. So in 2017, I would tell you we had a 40-year-old startup, a startup that had so much care so much engagement, but probably had better efficiencies that could have in place, had some probably, I think every organization sometimes has these dynamics where you've got the wrong people in leadership. We had a few too many people that were able to lead contrary 
to our principles of leadership. And so we've instituted not just core values, but leadership attributes that we expect of leaders. And we hold accountability to that. And then we have surveys that measure what we call high-performing teams. Um, and we have distinctions of those teams. So really what I would tell you that's changed over the last five years since I've joined and since we've had a new CEO is we have valued the care of the culture. We've focused on maintaining the strengths of that culture. And we've just gradually refined ourselves to be able to have better efficiency, effectiveness. And now we're just focusing more and more on lean principles in how we interact on our goals to be able to take it to the next level. And it's actually proving out with the leadership that we've got on our teams right now, because um, this company uh, is in an industry that's down 10% during this time of inflation, and we're actually up 6%. That's not big growth in a tech sector, but for us, that's amazing growth in the environment that we're challenged with. And a lot of that comes down to the culture and the accountability and the balance we have between satisfaction and delivering the results and commitments to each other. That's awesome. Did you have these, were you this passionate or this adamant about how to hire and kind of what to look for before you came here? Or was this kind of a work in progress that you started to realize by looking at the data and realizing the history of the organization uh, once you came on board? That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, before I came here, I worked for a Fortune 200 company and I wasn't the head of the organization in that Fortune 200. I was a growing talent that grew into executive roles, but I always had uh, great leadership above me, but I had to experiment with the local leadership teams that I was a part of. And, and I think where it really hit for me is um, in, where I think it was 2010 to 2012, I was in Bentonville, Arkansas, and we were trying to figure out how to turn around the results of our biggest business, the Walmart business for Kraft Foods. And they didn't have an HR person before. So that was an opportunity to start up HR for the first time in my career. I'd always just been taking over for someone else. And I got asked to go down to Bentonville, Arkansas and help the president of that organization and that leadership team figure out what can we do to figure out how to get our goals flowing and hit the goals better than we have now that Walmart's not growing stores anymore. Everybody grew with Walmart when they grew stores and now they weren't and we had to figure out how to build that. And so I just Googled engagement. I was trying to figure out culture and I got to work with this president on our culture. And I ran into this thing called the X model and it's called the X model of engagement. And it's just this simple model of leadership and partnership where we focus on all employees and all leaders need to partner and talk about what it means to be maximum, have maximum success for the contributions they deliver in their job and what it means for us to support them to find the maximum satisfaction that we can deliver for them having that job. And what are the limits to that? We've got to partner through that and find that friction between those two things. And we just focused on that. And we held ourselves accountable to that. And every time I've gone through that environment since then, there's always been dynamics where you discover people that don't want to live that. People don't don't want to live the core values or they don't want to balance performance versus satisfaction for their people. And you've got to find the balance in this day and age to be able to succeed. And so that experience in Bentonville, Arkansas shaped uh, my passion to be able to find what is the balance between finding people that deliver results for the organization and then we partner with them to find satisfaction for them. And what Ultraden has done for me is it's given me the opportunity to lead not in a Fortune 200 environment, but to lead a team and create a team where our HR team actually is the, we call ourselves the guinea pigs of all experimentation talent-wise in the organization. Um, So I've had the opportunity to experiment with hiring people that were great, but didn't fit the future of our company. They didn't fit the satisfaction. We couldn't deliver for them. And I've really had to refine what 
it means to hire people for this company specifically. And it's really developed my mindset, my team's mindset on how to build an, a highly performing team and how we do that together and how we continually hire. And it's actually an exciting thing for us. This is weird to say, it's an exciting thing for us when someone leaves us, not because we don't want them to leave, but it my team gets excited about hiring right now because we're attracting a certain kind of person that just is both the star but they're excluded at the same time and they want to be included in a place where they can perform at a high level. And um, so I, I think that Bentonville experience shaped me to start this journey and Ultradent for me has formed a dream for me to be able to lead uh, just the visions that I've had for HR and the visions I've had for a company, the passions I've had. Uh, whereas sometimes in a Fortune 200, it takes time to get to that point. In a smaller company, if you have that desire and you have that strategic mindset as an HR person, you can really partner with your leaders to deliver dreams for the business. Uh, whereas sometimes in Fortune 200s, you're just uh, having to abide by the strategies of uh, the larger organization that's very large and process oriented. This organization gives me a lot of leeway and a lot of flexibility. And my CEO and I partner constantly on how do we uh, do the best things for the satisfaction of our people and the maximum results from the people. And it's, uh, it's exciting. And we've still got a lot of work to do. And that's always fun to do. Well, it's been uh, amazing content and different than what we've had in, on the show in the past. I want to wrap up and clarify one thing with you. You're not necessarily saying it has to be a one either or. Somebody who's degreed and you know coming out with expectations or somebody who's non-degreed, who's an underdog. The person could be degreed but still have that type of uh, background that fits with your organization. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. I think there are, listen, there's still millions of people that don't have the degree. And so what I'm saying is we need to give them an opportunity to compete with the people that have the degrees and start looking at outcomes and start looking at contributions. Because once people have their degree, all bets are off the table when it comes to what they're going to do when they come into the organization. The knowledge might help them, but uh, what I'm saying is look for the attributes that fit your organization with that degree and then target the right institutions for those degrees. And then remember, there's someone outside of those institutions that if you market your position with an inclusion mindset yep. and make it reachable for someone to reach for your job, by not saying this degree is holistically required versus saying we prefer this degree or we expect this degree. But if you can prove equivalent to that, apply. Let's talk about it because we need to make it reachable for people to apply for our jobs uh, that are excluded. And so there's, there's a balance to it. And it's like you're saying, it's not black and white and nothing's black and white. You just have to find the right strategy to find the right people for your organization. And I believe you have to hang in there with the fact that you have to understand it's proving out that if you hire stars from other organizations, they don't succeed the same in your organization. What proves out is you need to hire people that you can grow in your organization to be the stars internally. And that's the key. You know, with these job descriptions, I know so many candidates over the years who have, like, I know this from factual conversations, they haven't applied because they didn't check all the boxes of what was listed as the dream list of requirements that companies mm -hmm. tend to put on there. How do you guys mar market your job descriptions to market the inclusivity, to market, hey, you know, uh, we want you, we want to be able to talk to you? In that piece of the bit of the job description? Yeah. Over the last two years, we've been really shifting what we've been doing. And what we do is we've been training our managers and now our recruiters to focus on the sample job postings to take a different approach. And like I said, sometimes it's about teaching equivalency and helping people understand, oh, it's not black and white. I could apply. 
Uh, we also uh, use language in our postings. So uh, take the uh, EEOC requirement. We're all required to say we're equal opportunity. Everybody knows that. So that's an equal playing field. But what we do is we say equal opportunity, we do the required statement, and then we really announce our global vision for diversity, which is we are a culture where differences are sought after, welcomed, and embraced. So you have to communicate who you are through your job postings. And that's one way we do it. So, you know, I'll just, a statement that we put into our degree programs, um, we just say bachelor's degree in a field that enhances value in the position or equivalent knowledge and abilities. That simple statement. And when you do that, it gets to what you're looking for from the applicants that have the degrees, but it also says, you know, if you don't have this apply. And we all know the research. If, you, if we haven't read deep enough, women in research show that they don't apply for the same job as men apply for because they want to be qualified for it. Whereas research shows that a lot of men, they'll apply for anything because they think they're qualified for anything. And so you have a little bit of a dynamic that women, you know, are building more and more confidence in society now, but there's still a lot of people that are conditioned and have a dynamic where they just feel they're not good enough. And so whether it be a man or a woman, there's people out there that just aren't going to apply because they have a little bit of humility. I'm one of those people. Like I, I have, I feel I've got a little bit of an imposter syndrome because half the time I'm questioning myself. Like, am I good enough for this? Like when I came to Ultradent five years ago, my first two years, I'm like, when's the ax going to fall? I don't know that I'll, I don't know them the right person for this job because they were getting used to me. I'm getting used to them. And so there's a lot of people out there that don't have the confidence they need someone to give them the confidence. And sometimes the job postings can give them the confidence, say, I'm going to take that shot. And when you get that person that just doesn't have the full confidence and the just the ego to say, I'm good at anything, um, which that's fine. There's people that have that confidence, but there's other people that they're good. They just don't know it. And that's where we have a lot of success with people at Ultradent is uh, I've got a team of people that didn't get a chance elsewhere. But when they came in here, we were like, holy crap, look what you, look what we have here. <laughs> we just have to send them to a program or give them some training and then give them a vision. People don't give you a vision in your role a lot of times. And we try to give them a vision of here's what you can do if you do this, this, and this. And people that are humble, don't have an ego, often are like, holy crap, I, uh, they're going to give me a chance. And it's actually an emotional thing that we tell these stories all the time in Ultradent of these stories of people that just wouldn't have fit in elsewhere because they didn't have the resume, but they came here and they were like, you're going to let me do this. You're going to let me succeed. And they go out and get, you know, education on their own. They study their butts off to close the gap and they end up doing better things than the people that are indoctrinated in a college yeah. because they have less restrictions to their minds. So I call that scrappy. Yep. Scrappy. Figure it out and you figure out and you do the research to figure it out. That's awesome. Listen, I can't thank you enough for being here and what you shared. I think that there's really important uh, lessons to be, to be learned here that uh, sometimes the diamond really is in the rough, right? And uh, and you shared some ways of, of going about how to uncover that, where those diamonds in the rough are, but then also the importance of trying to understand based on history and based on vision of where your organization is going, the culture that you stand for, the values that you stand for, what is important within your business and what are and make sure to hire to that and trying to replicate what might work for another company might not necessarily be the same for yours. And so while I think that there's a great framework that you shared here, I also think it's important to pay attention to the specifics within within that particular company. Oh, definitely. Definitely. My company is very different from other companies and you have to understand who your company is, what they're about, and then frame it 
to that. The only thing that I I would say that every company has to do to succeed in the talent environment is this X model mentality is you're not going to get talent if you don't look at their satisfaction levers, if you don't listen to them and you don't let them tell you what they need to succeed. You've got to be able to balance performance with satisfaction to be able to succeed. And everyone can do that. It's just the limits of satisfaction, the limits of performance measures is different by every organization. And every organization has got to define those measures. And at that intersection of the acts is probably the utmost uh, retention and the utmost productivity. (laughs) So that's that's so important. Well, David, thank you so much for being here, man. Really, really appreciate it. Wish you personally nothing but the best. And of course, continued success there at UltraDent. Thanks, Mitch. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.